Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, October 29, 2023. Coming to you live at Floored Media in Rockville Center. Have a very, very special edition of Hockey Night in New York tonight. Special guest Thomas Hickey drafted fourth overall by the LA Kings in 2007. 456 career NHL games, all with the New York Islanders. 22 goals, 95 assists, 117 points. A two-time World Junior Championship gold medal champion. Captain of one of those teams, by the way. And uh, he's joining us tonight. We're thrilled to have him. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, Thomas, how are we doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. This, Thank this you yeah. for coming down. Much appreciated. <laughs> I'm doing great. Let's yeah, you doing all right, let's buddy? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> all right. So before we get underway, I want to send out a great thanks to our sponsors, presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And a big thanks to Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law, New York's premier trial lawyers, ready to fight for you. Check them out at razorandkniff.com. Com. And wanted to start the show here just to send out a condolences to the friends and family of Andrew Johnson. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, yesterday playing for the Nottingham Panthers over in England, uh, there was a collision, an accidental skate caught him in the neck, and uh, unfortunately he passed away. So just a, a big condolences to him. And, and maybe this is an opportunity for, for leagues like the NHL to maybe look out for, uh, for neck protection for the players. Any thoughts on that, Thomas? Yeah, I, I mean, perhaps, yeah, with, with terrible things often come change and... You know, it's not like it doesn't matter what league it is, and the, obviously the word travels uh, travels far and wide. And you know, I remember seeing, uh, you know, there was a, there was a whole neck guard. I don't want to say dilemma, but um, awareness raised when I was younger, and we had to start wearing neck guards. Like change is created, and, and who knows what will happen at the NHL level. But I think everyone um, it, it hits close to home because it. A fluke can happen to anyone, so it's it's just awful. Yeah, absolutely. So once again, a condolences to the friends and family of Andrew Johnson and Thomas. Once again, thanks for joining us here. I wanted to start talking talking with you about just uh, your career on the ice. Obviously, drafted by the LA Kings, uh, things didn't exactly work out there. You kind of got a new lease on life with the New York Islanders. Claimed on waivers in the uh, abbreviated twelve uh, thirteen season. You got your first taste of playoff action that year. Maybe just talk about. You know, that whole situation where you come to the New York Islanders, you get another chance at the league, you obviously break in, break onto the team. You have a, a great career with the team and just maybe talk about that for now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, now that I'm finished playing, it's it's fun looking back and things make a lot more sense now. But, you know, when I look at my career as a whole, like really thankful for the time I spent in L.A.'s organization, even though I never played there, mm. um, you know, not everything goes according to plan, but it sets you up for opportunities like I had here. And now I look at my career and I can't imagine if, if things had gone differently and I was never an Islander and never got to live here and play here and, and meet the people, the community, the friendships that you make. So uh, grateful for it. And yeah, it, it happened quick. I, I got to a point in LA that, um, you know, I, I missed some time. I was drafted high, had a couple of really bad injuries and surgeries, missed a ton of hockey and, they did a great job drafting other players and guys that were more prepared and mm -hmm. deserved at the time that they were needed to 
to be key pieces and be part of Stanley Cup runs. And I missed that window, and it was it was really tough for me. At the same time, um, I had to to dig deep and and just sort of start start anew. And um, you know, I was playing some really good hockey right when the lockout was um, in full full fledged, and I was still still able to play. And people were watching, and the timing just worked out really good. I was I was playing confident hockey at the time, probably the best hockey I played in the American league and, and thankfully Gar Snow uh and, and company had an eye on me and, and found me and from there it was history but it but it happened really quick and those are those those quick windows that you got to be prepared for and I'm right. thankful I was yeah the mental aspect of the game is something that's talked about so much more now being that high of a pick how much pressure was there on you there was a ton but uh not as much as guys deal with now like that was before social media before Twitter I mean Twitter was probably around but I didn't have it. Um, you know, there's online, the presence wasn't huge. And I think, um, I, I never looked at stuff anyways, but the pressure that I put on myself and the expectations that you have, you know, I was always, I was never someone that thought anything would be given to me by any means at all. But at the same time, you see other guys around you, not getting things given to you, but going out and earning them. And it was missing a bunch of time. It was difficult. And you do feel it. And I think at the time I would have said, oh, I don't feel the pressure. I'm just doing my best. But you look back and I'm like, I was an 18 year old kid, 19. Like, yeah, of course I was feeling the pressure. There was, there was a ton. Um, and you'll learn a lot that helped me much later in my career. So, you know, it's one of those things that, did I come up short at the time Did I feel the pressure for sure I did, but, uh, really learned from that and used it later on in my career. So, it worked for sure, but definitely stuff. And there was, there's a lot of pressure with that. And I, I sympathize with, um, with guys that are picked really high and things don't work out because you can still have a great career and, and not fulfill someone's expectation, uh, of what they had. But, um, yeah, definitely a lot of pressure. Right on Thomas. And you f- into your career, a few years in, you, s- you formed a very strong, uh, uh, D partnership with Lubomir Vrznovsky. Uh, you obviously had that, uh, that big seven game series against the Caps. It didn't go the Islanders way, but maybe we can start by just talking a little bit about that pairing with Lubo. And it seems like you guys had a very, uh, tight, tight relationship there on the ice. I loved Lubo and, you know, I give him a ton of credit for the biggest thing that he did was he put confidence in me. Like he instilled it in me and, uh, I learned a ton from watching him play. I, I think you can watch anyone play hockey and you're going to learn about their game. You get to play with them and you learn different things. And he was always giving me uh, tips, tricks, cheats, anything. Because at that time he was in his late thirties. He'd been around the league right. for a long time right. an all-star. He'd put up so many points and there'd be things where maybe you defend it differently, but other times it was just, encouragement like hey you're you're doing great i love playing with you or hey third period like we we're down two goals don't stop and start you know things your coaches would be like yeah. no you better stop and start but he'd be like you're gonna waste too much energy like you need to get up the ice we both do let's go and those are things that i wouldn't have been taught or be like hey like don't tie your skates up so tight like the ice is the ice is really quick tonight and like we're getting, we're down three goals already. Like you need to get up the ice, little things like this. He was always thinking about that. And, and I just think when I look at him play, it was funny. He was, he was a left-handed shot guy that couldn't really play the left side. Like he could, Lou was a great player. He could, he could play forward if you wanted him to, Mm. but he was strictly uh, playing on his offside all the time. And for me, I loved that because we developed this bond and this chemistry and, and I knew that I could just zip it right over to him 
like he was a right-handed defenseman and he'd be able to put it on net with a one-timer immediately. Like he's built so strong. He could one-time absolutely any puck and that made it easy. We created a lot more offense than, than you would have with their traditional left, right combo. And outside of that, like just the way he navigated up the ice, uh, he was a great skater. Like people give him a lot of credit for it, but he wasn't that fast. He moved well. And, and I learned from him that you don't have to be super fast to be efficient on the ice. And, and that's a lot I learned from him. So I love Lubo. We still, we still text now and then, and he's that's great. Might be the, you know, the prime minister of, of Slovakia. Before long. <laughs> you know, he's, I know he loves it back there, but, um, everyone has good things to say about Lubo and I miss him. Yeah, you guys are an excellent pair and, and, and you could kind of tell maybe a little bit after the fact that uh, you guys are pretty tight out there because uh, you know you had a certain happening there in that seven game series against the Washington Capitals. Lubo gets taken out by Tom Wilson and uh, I have to say uh, it was very noticeable to me in games after that when you guys played the Caps, you kind of had it out for Tom Wilson. Maybe you can just touch on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think a lot of people have it out for him. Like that's, <laughs> that's probably that's, fair, yeah. Right, that's the way he plays and like um, you know, that's why he's an effective player. That's why he gets paid the way he does yeah. because he's got a presence on the ice and, and he knocked Lubo out of that series and um, clean, dirty, in between, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like that's a really good friend that you're not just worried about. Can they play the next game? Their career is, um, you know, threatened and, and Lubo was able to come back and uh, make an attempt at playing again right. after that, which was great. But um it's it sticks with you and i think when you're competitive you get knocked out of the same team in the playoffs and you you see them yeah. over and over and over again and and a guy that starts a lot of stuff with the physicality that he brings like tom wilson like he's probably got a dozen or two dozen guys in the league that that want to give him an extra shot every single time because sure. he goes around and gives it to you and certainly when he was on the ice um, I didn't, I didn't want to shy away. Like you look, were not, I'm, and I'm not going to pretend that if we got in a fight, like, yeah, he'd kill me. Right. He's, he's big and strong, but right. if you can do anything within the rules or those little moments in the game, when you could, um, always wanted to, because, because he'd be looking to give it to you before you give it to him if, if you didn't. <laughs> For sure. And, and speaking of that, I mean, you've had your, your fair share of heavy hits in your career, too. I mean, Brian Boyle, I think, in one of those Tampa series. Uh, Jonathan Drewen, I think, even in that series against the Caps. Uh, you know, you, you weren't known for your size, but you knew how to take the body. Yeah, I think just growing up, um, playing, playing defense, I played on my offside a lot. So I, I was a left-handed shot. I played a lot on the right. And I always found that uh, I could catch guys off guard with that mm -hmm. and especially through junior, like a really physical player. Um, and, and just part of that competitive nature, like I, I, I love laying the body. And as you get older, not just older, but as you get to the highest competition, you really have to time your spots well. And I think, you know, my my better hits were often unassuming uh, from the guys that I was putting the body on. The, the, the timing was a big part of that. And, you know, I, I love watching hockey now and I see someone – make a nice open ice hit. It, yeah. it tells me a lot about that guy because you got to think it through because those are, those are plays that people can really get hurt. You can take really bad penalties right. and to time it out. So I, I always felt that that was part of my game for sure. And, you know, like, like catching a few people off guard. No question. Yeah. When you look back at your career, was, was there one team that you just felt like you played well against, you know, when you faced them Yeah, you looked at the calendar and said, okay, you know, I'm ready for this one. Um, yeah, sort of. I mean, there, there's weird things like I wouldn't say the Minnesota Wild. I, 
played great against them, but I'd love going into Minnesota. Like there were certain rinks that um, growing up, you'd, you you can watch them on TV, you can see things, but you get to go play in front of those fans. And Minnesota was a place for me that early on things go well. And then all of a sudden you, you play good, you feel good every time you go in that rink. You know, Montreal was the same way, different tradition. Sometimes there's just a feel in a building. And I wouldn't say it was so much there was a team that I loved playing against, but there was buildings that I loved going into because it, it felt like a different game and it felt special every time. And Minnesota is one of those. Montreal, there's there's a handful of them that uh, made it extra special every time. And then there's other, the other places that just strictly have to do with you being a New York Islander and has nothing to do with who you are. It's what the organization stands for. And you know it's going to be an exciting, entertaining, important game when you go in those buildings. You know, you could you could... Wells Fargo, MSG, the list goes on for uh, for how you felt as a as a player on the team, but individually, those ones stood out to me. Do you know uh, what team you have the most goals against off the top of your head? Do you know? <laughs> uh, I would I would assume it's he knows. in the I would assume it's in the in the metro. It is in the metro. Do you want to take a guess or? I'd hope it's the Rangers. It is the Rangers. It's Four Rangers. goals. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we we only scored so many, right? <laughs> if you score more than two or three, then yeah, that makes that makes sense. Not bad, not bad. <laughs> so I actually wanted to go back to the big hits for a second because you, you raised something that I kind of wanted to ask you about. So it seems like you know with these when a guy gets laid out, right? And and when it's when it's dirty, when it's illegal, it hits somebody's head, you know, something like that. Like, you know, you got guys answering for that, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But it seems like now guys get blown up on a clean hit, and they're still answering the bell for that. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. If you think that's something that you know, should be in the game or you understand it, you see where it's coming from or, or, you know, maybe when a guy gets his bell rung on a clean hit, maybe you kind of just let it go, you know? You should. Uh, this is a cultural thing, in mm-hmm. my opinion. This is not... Yeah, I think it's easy to look at the players and go, look, someone got laid out. Like, you don't need to go fight them. Let it go. This is a cultural thing. It's now part of our game and mm-hmm. guys understand that. No, you shouldn't have to fight after a clean hit. But the game now is so fast mm-hmm. and a lot of the times when someone fights after a clean hit they're on the ice and they're they're paying attention to something that's going on and it's out of the corner of your eye and it happens so fast that do you know if it's clean or not well benefit of the doubt is not going to be given to you if it was a dirty hit and you looked at the guy and let him go away and all of a sudden you're gonna get in trouble for that not to get in trouble but um the expectation, if you knew it was a clean hit, that you're gonna you're gonna get in there, but whether you're gonna fight or start a scrum or, or just let the guy know that that can't be done, there's a culture of that now. And with how quick the game is, I think it's so much harder to see uh, dirty and clean. And oftentimes we're slowing down and watching replays over to find out yeah, if it was dirty sure. or clean. And that's minutes after someone's jumped in and had a fight. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's got to come from I believe it's probably a rule change, mm-hmm. but absolutely there shouldn't be fights after clean hits, and I think that every player will tell you that. And I think some guys would love to make a clean hit and say, "Yeah, I'll I'll fight because of that," mm-hmm. but you don't need to. And I think it's a cultural thing that that will change as the rules change. But I don't blame guys that start fights right away because you're worried about, well, what if, what if it was dirty? I can't yes. see it. It happened too quick. And that's where we're at right now. That's a great point. Like it's easy for us as a viewer watching it, seeing the replays being like, ah, oh, you know, it's a clean hit. Just let it, let it go. Yeah. But in that split second, 
you know, if you are that teammate, you want to make sure you're taking care of your guy. If, you, if yeah, yeah, if it was a dirty hit. So I totally get that. That makes total sense. But um, just regarding your career, is there like any one, you know, just big takeaway from playing in the NHL? Something that I guess you know that you just hold you know valuable to you, whether it was a lesson learned or just an experience that you had, whether it was a game, a series, or anything. Like, what's when you look back in your NHL career, like what do you what do you say to your? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, there's, there's so many different things. I think you, you know, when I get to this point, I'm, I'm just grateful for the relationships. And I know it seems like, seems like a cop out, but the, the people hockey in general, what it doesn't matter what level you play, the people that you get to meet and be friends with and yeah. like work with and go to battle with those those are the things that stand out the most. And I think there's bonds and relationships that, that come from that. Um, and there's that. And then, you know, I grew up wanting to do this, to play in the NHL. That was, was your goal from day one. And you finally get to fulfill those dreams. Um, I, th- I think just thankful because there's so many things along the way that could prohibit you from getting to that point. So just a sense of gratefulness. But as far as any one thing or one moment no i don't have one there's just so many little ones right on thomas well folks want to thank you all for tuning in here to twitch.tv slash hockey night ny hanging out with us here we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk more with thomas hickey if you're an islander fan there's nothing like a big win a tasty meal and great company and blue line deli and bagels provides all that and more Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh-made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. Stefan and I are joined by Thomas Hickey, now a studio analyst with MSG. So, Thomas, I wanted to kind of transition into that. And I saw a little nugget that before that happened, you were toying with the idea heading over to Switzerland. So maybe you can chat a little bit about that and how that didn't end up working out and you ended up uh, working at MSG. Yeah, I was I was close. Like my my wife's here tonight. We were we were sort of bags packed, ready to go uh, play overseas. And I had an opportunity in Jersey to go on a PTO, and that was that was great. And I'm thankful that that came up because I think things would have played out differently. Um, it just fortuitous with timing with with MSG really because uh, you know I'd heard that they were maybe looking to fill the position. Uh, but I was fully intent on playing hockey. I didn't cross my mind that it was going to be retiring. Even in the back of my mind, I, I thought about it, um, and I wanted to stay over here and play, and I wanted to be close to New York. Mm. And New Jersey was a good opportunity, and if not, it was going to Europe. And if things had lined up differently, just with uh, if anyone's business, hockey, however it is, 
getting someone a contract and timing it out for everything to work, a few things need to fall in place. And those things didn't. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got let go by Jersey the next day, I just made, I just picked up the phone and thought, I don't know anything about being an analyst. It could be cool. I'd like to know. And I wasn't feeling great at the moment. And I said, just pick up the phone. We'll just call and see what happens. And it took, it took a couple weeks, but started talking to some people. And with that, the opportunity came about. Uh, but I'm just grateful that I picked up the phone and called because maybe, maybe it wouldn't have, because I, I think especially for MSG or people making decisions, mm-hmm. they see that you want to play hockey and they don't want to insult you say, well, well come do this, like retire. Sure. Yeah. And um, for me, it was 100% the right decision, but you don't know that in the moment. And yeah. as soon as I did, they, they had me on just, just pretty much to say hi and catch up. And I stuck around for post game and, there's a feeling that I walked away from that. Like this is fulfilling and it's, it's different. Hockey didn't end up uh, the last few years. It wasn't overly fulfilling for me and, and it, it felt a certain way. And I, and I liked it. And as time's going on, you get to, you just, you, you have a different perspective of hockey. You're not playing and you have a different responsibility and freed up a little bit and, and see things a bit differently. And I'm just grateful that the timing of that worked out. Cause yeah, I could have been, uh, playing and maybe attempting to still play now. And yeah. it's it's nice to be on the sidelines. <laughs> how does the pressure... I know it's not the same thing as playing in the league, but how does the pressure, like, when, when the camera's on and rolling? Uh, yeah, I think it's the lead-up to it more than being on. Uh, I, I'd compare it to hockey, to playing a game. Honestly, like, you you get excited. I don't want to say the there's anxiety, but pressure. Like, people are watching and depending on you. Whether you're playing, you've got teammates that are depending on you. That's the greatest responsibility and pressure. And it's similar in, in television. Um, there's always some butterflies before you go on. There's always that part of you that saying, did I prepare enough? And that's that mental check down that I still get from when I played. And, and that's what I think I love about it. I don't, I was shaking my first couple times on, like you probably couldn't tell what my legs were because it was so foreign. I didn't, wasn't used to it. You don't know where to look and I'm still learning so much, but I get, I get that rush of excitement before we come on and that, that little doubt that says, did I prepare? And I think that's the healthiest thing because it lets you know that your routine, like you, you can, you can reassure yourself that you did. And outside of that, of course there's pressure and, and we have the greatest fans that watch and pay attention and like you want to be on for them because I want them to know what I'm thinking and let them know what I think that that they should know about um but at the same time um I can make mistakes you can make mistakes we all do the the good thing is I've already made about four right (laughs) and so have I and it doesn't show up on the scoreboard and I think that's the biggest takeaway that I have that look I'm still learning but I'm not going to lose sleep over it and I didn't let 20 some guys down Yes, my my team uh, at MSG, you know, it, it probably goes more unnoticed than with, with a team. And I think that was sort of the biggest thing. And it, it frees you up a little bit to enjoy it even that much more. So for the record, no formal training, no classes, because I know some athletes after they're done with their careers, they kind of get some tr- training before they kind of jump in and all that. And, and you know, when they said, oh, Thomas Hickey's going to join us on the MSG broadcast. And I was like, I didn't have that on my bingo card, but let's see how this goes. And you were a natural man. Like you, you're kicking ass with MSG. Well, I appreciate it, but I'm like, I'm getting coached up and people are helping me big time. Like Joel Mandelbaum, um, director, Steve Nepal, uh, Steve Knapp, our producer, Napoletani. Um, he's great. He helps me like everyone 
coaches me in their own way behind the scenes. And I'm, I've still got a lot to learn. Like I consider myself still raw, but I've got a lot of people in my ear. Shannon makes it easy for me. Um, there's so many people that are slowly training you, whether they know it or not, but the little hip, uh, tips are helpful. But naturally, like I, I felt good answering questions in, um, you know, you get interviewed so much playing hockey that you're used to that side of it. So that part of the adjustment wasn't huge. And, and thankfully, you know, can handle myself well in that sense and, and work on the others, but definitely, you know, pe- people are helping me out. Yeah. Right on. You spoke about routine. How hard is it for you to get out of the routine of every day being a player and now you don't, you're not playing anymore. How do you, how do you break that? Or was it hard to break that? Yeah. for super hard to break. Um, the routine of having a routine is the most important thing. And this, this was the first summer that I didn't train to intend to play hockey, even though last year I did. So Monday to Friday or like whatever you have your schedule laid out, there's something going on. And this year in the summer, I didn't work that often. And that was different for me. And I think you learned something about yourself. Like I, I do crave routine. I like knowing what my schedule looks like and how I can plan things out. Like my wife would tell you, I'm a, I'm, I over plan for sure. Um, it's a good thing. But <laughs> hockey, it's so ingrained that certain times you got to show up. You can never be late. Um, there's certain things you do to prepare with eating and nutrition and sleep and rest and so many other things. And they're sort of healthy habits that you build. And now that I've stopped playing, it's sort of just finding the balance of not over preparing too much and not being too much in a routine and, and just try to try to enjoy the fact that it's, I'm not a professional athlete anymore and you don't have to live every day like that. So sure. trying to, trying to, trying to distance myself and find that sweet spot always. So, so you mentioned seeing the game differently before. Do you have like a, a new appreciation for the game now that you're seeing it from a broadcaster's point of view? I think the appreciation's the same. Like bottom line, it's a game of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, every goal, every chance, every opportunity that happens on the ice, it's probably three or four mistakes that led to it. And as a player, I knew that. And as a defenseman, you're always guarding against it. Now, now I'm in my position, I still have that same appreciation for it, but it's, it's less about finding the mistakes and finding the really the people that really took advantage of small little mistakes. And I think that's what is that that's my intention is to highlight that to fans. Cause I think that's where you see like really high end skill or really, um, really good hockey in those little moments. And that's sort of what I'm, what I get to focus on. But when you're not worried about yourself making mistakes, you, you get to see the game a little bit differently and a little bit freer. And I, I watched a ton of hockey growing up and while I played and everything, but now um, when you know you're able to highlight some of these good things that happen when there's like a little micro mistake and someone takes advantage of it, I love that. I love being able to look for those moments, yeah. Always so interested with this. Obviously, you're on the media side now, so you're, ask, you're answering questions too, but you're asking them as well. I guess, what is the relationship like when you're an everyday NHL player and, you know, the media comes in after a morning skate, the media comes in after practice. That's something where, you know, what, what was it like for you, I guess, where, you know, you face the media? Yeah, for me, when I was, uh, you know, when I was playing, you know, I've, I don't think I was ever the guy that was, you know, people scored a lot more goals or, you know, were in situations where they'd want to talk to them. And I felt like when I was, um, it wasn't like it was too much for me. And I never got to the point where it was, oh no, I've got to answer questions again. And I think it was that perfect sweet spot. And 
it allows you to give more genuine answers. Absolutely. For some guys that you could get asked the same question seven times in a day. Uh, that's, that's reality because, you know, Stefan, if you're, if you're talking to Mark over in this corner and then you, and then you get back to me and you don't know that someone just said the same question. Right. So I, I think I understand when guys give, um, pretty simple, plain cliche, boring answers. Cause you get asked a lot of the questions at the same time. So, um, hockey players are not interesting. Hockey players are bad <laughs> interviews, right? We all, we, we know that that's just, that's, that's re- the reality of it. Guys are, guys are built that way and no one wants to talk about themselves because it is about the team. And I think yeah. those are genuine, cool things. Like that's what makes, that's why I love hockey, but it's, it's tough to, to crack that shell. So I think the media does such a good job. The hockey media does such a good job trying to find ways in and trying to find ways where you can see behind people and it's still authentic. And when those moments happen, it's fun for me to watch, to sit back and, and see someone find that middle ground. But I think it's definitely, it's difficult. Hockey guys are, are tough to tough to get a, a good, true, genuine answer out of. Awesome stuff, Thomas. And before we take a break and start talking about the current New York Islanders, just want to throw a couple of rapid fire questions at you. Cool. Who was the toughest player that you ever played against in the NHL? Toughest in what sense? Toughest to defend, toughest in any way, shape, or form. Like the, the most skilled guy you might have played against, somebody who wowed you when you were, you know, he was coming in on you, crossing the blue line. You're like, oh man, what am I going to do here? Uh, in that sense, I'd probably go Patrice Bergeron, like someone that will never give you anything. Yeah, like breaking the puck out, I always found for me was an area for me to get an edge. Like I felt I did that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd never cheat, and you could never use a little deception to throw him off. He was such an honest player at the same time. So smart that he just needed an inch to make the play that he wanted to. So in that sense, he was so tough to play against. You have any superstitions before you played something you did every, every time? Yeah, I did. I never had, uh, I never had superstitions in the sense that I did that. I followed things throughout my whole career, but um, there would be, little things that if I played well, or perhaps if we won, whatever it may be, it's like, oh, I, you realize, oh, I, I know that I put my right glove on before my left glove and, you know, put my mouth guard in my glove this certain way. And you keep on doing that until you lost or until you played bad. (laughs) But it was, it was never the same thing. It was just always something. And you realize like your mind's keeping track of everything you do. Well, well, speaking of superstitions and, and procedures and whatnot, I know this was this is something that was important during your playing career, and I'm curious if it translated over to being in the studio. Are, are fish oil still an important part of your uh, <laughs> machine? I remember that they aren't, and they probably uh, they probably they probably should be. I remember, uh, yeah, Brock Nelson's never let me down on that one. So that was outstanding. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago. I almost forgot about that. That's good. He did his research, you know. That's I did. Right. I yeah. did. I did. Uh, all right. What else we got here? Uh, best city to play in outside of Long Island, of course. I will just give one. Like I said before, I had success there playing in Minnesota, okay. uh, playing in St. Paul. Different, different feeling. And Montreal. I'll throw that one in there. Two different hockey atmospheres, but I loved playing in both. Funniest teammate. That's uh, Lubo Vishnovsky was actually sneakily extremely funny. Um, guys got always got a crack out of him. There's so many guys. Uh, Any stories? Maybe quick stories you can share with us that maybe you know, fans. Another guy like about? Eric Bolton. You wouldn't think that 
He's funny, but um, a great sense of humor, quick, dry, witty. Um, guys that that had, like Anders Lee, to me, and a lot of people would tell you this, but you might not know if you went and talked to him, but he, he can crack me up, like, in so, so quickly, and he could do it in a way that you might not know that he's making a joke, but if he knows you're in the room, like, it's subtle, and he... He does it really good. So Anders is probably an easy one, and I don't think a lot of people have him come to mind when they think sure. funny, but he, he can crack anybody up. He yeah, he's well. very professional behind the microphone. Yeah, yeah, he is. And last one, and probably most importantly, uh, given the holiday, uh, what are you going to be for Halloween? Uh, I'm, I'm going to hand out candy, and I know that that's <laughs> such, a lame, uh, such a lame one. Uh, my wife, her, her favorite day is Halloween. Like okay. outside of Very outside nice. of Christmas, pretty much. So, okay. um, we get into the mood and we hand out candy. We we watch all the trick or treaters come, but we don't have kids ourselves yet. So we like to sit back and see what everyone else is doing and where we are. It's Halloween is everything. So we sit out on the front step and we'll carve some pumpkins and we sure. definitely get in the mood, but. No costumes this year. Fair enough. Or maybe next year. A little disappointing, but yeah, uh, maybe yeah, next year. Very disappointing. <laughs> All right, folks. want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. Thomas Hickey, former New York Islander and current studio analyst for MSG, is with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Thomas Hickey. We'll talk about the current Islanders. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video, or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook, or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. Welcome back to the program. You are watching and or listening to Hockey Night and New York. And before we dive into the current New York Islanders, I want to tell you about our friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night. Your family will remember looking for meetups to join our Magic the Gathering Dungeon and Dragons. Lorcana and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. So, getting to the current New York Islanders, uh, they're currently 4-2-1 with 9 points in the standings. What do we like so far? What needs some more attention? Thomas Hickey. I think what I like so far is the if you, if you were to look at this hockey team at the start of the year, people would say, well, what needs to happen for them to make the playoffs? You would say goaltending needs to be great. We know that that's the backbone of this hockey team. Ilya's been sensational. 
and Varley looks sensational as well in his two starts. Uh, and I think you'd also say, well, if this team's going to make the playoffs, then we sort of need to see Bo Horvat look like he did with Matt Barzell right when he got traded here. They've looked like that. Uh, you would need to say that Palmieri, Nelson, and Engvall weren't just guys that got hot for 30 games, that they can play like a 1A or a, or a 2A, you know, or a 1B um, first line. And they've looked like that. And and then I think you'd need to see it scattered throughout the lineup as well. And when you look at it, you know, timely goals from the fourth line, they're playing like a team, I, I guess is is what I'll say. And that's that's what stands out to me to this point. And at 4-2 and 1, probably right where they should be you know sort of stole a point against New Jersey you could say but outside of that lost the games that they should have lost and found a way with 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 as good as Ilya is it seems like they're they have an understanding of what they are and the questions or the doubts that people could have at the start of the season have been answered in a good way so far and reminder extremely small sample size right eight games into the hockey season or seven games in it's not a lot of hockey, uh, so it's hard to tell, but that's that's sort of what I'm seeing. Yeah, I guess the power play would be the other thing is that the power play has to be just a tad better. It doesn't really have to be that much better, just clicking it a tad better, and I think maybe it hasn't had much success so far, but it seems like uh, Dobson is the key to everything, and his confidence is so high now in all areas of his game, and I think we're seeing it seep into the power play. I mean, he's moving the puck quick now. No, I'm glad you said that, Stefan, because that's as I was going through everyone from goalies to forwards, I didn't touch on the D, and that was the other thing. Can Noah Dobson take a step and you know be more than a good defenseman and turn into this is a guy we could see like that at the end of the season every team would say we'd like to have him on our top pair he's a bona fide you know rising star defenseman once again it's seven games but Noah's taken massive steps and when when I talk to the guys in the power play they're always talking about Noah like is Noah moving his feet can he can he move it quick and get it through and I think he's been doing those things you've seen the results his power play been great no, but as you said, Stefan, somewhere between, um, somewhere in the middle of the pack would be adequate for a group that got by with, with it being very bad last year. Um, I think it will be a work in, process, uh, work in progress with the power play, but when you, when you see them score early, I feel like it carries over throughout the game and avoiding these long stretches. I think there's this psychological lag that happens when, you go 0 for 4 and guys feel it, even if they're not thinking it. Um, it'd be nice to see them, you know, not go too long without it. And then I, th- I think when you see them score, the next one's really good and it's really crisp. So uh, I, I, I'm a true believer. Power play is really about momentum and confidence. That's the biggest thing. These guys are all NHL players. They can all play on power play ones. It's, are you feeling good about yourselves? And I think if they can get rolling, that's what can sort of turn you from a bad power play to okay or okay to really good. It's it's that confidence. And uh, I, I hope we see more opportunities without taking a penalty. That's been the worst <laughs> part of it, right? Like Jeez. get a power play and then you take a penalty yourself and that, that kills everything as well. So better than it was last year, no doubt. Uh, room for growth for sure. No is a big part of it, but it, it's been better. No they just got to stay out of the box too. That's a... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, too too many penalties and and really like long term discipline wise. Am I worried that this is an undisciplined hockey team? No, I'm not at all. Have they taken too many penalties? 
Absolutely. And I think we got to find out since it's only been seven games, is that because maybe are they a step behind or something? Is it mm. circumstantial? Is it bad luck? Those are questions that will get answered after, you know, 15 games, but it's tough to tell right now. Yeah, I think some were circumstantial. Like it had uh, Paul Mary got tripped up in one play and just ended up just inadvertently swinging the stick into a guy's it, it, face. There's, there's nothing you could do about that. There's been a lot of those like quick yeah. reactions. Oh, someone stepped on my stick. Well, is it a trip? Yes, it's a trip. Right. Was that a undisciplined penalty? Not really. You know, there's been so much of that this year that mm-hmm. uh, I'll look to the side and see seven more games and then then assess it, right? Yeah, for sure. And before we step into the hero, just um, want to talk a little bit about the relatively new guys in town, and that's Bo Horvat and Pierre Ball. You mentioned Horvat before, but you know what value have these guys shown to the team so far? Now that they've started started with the team through training camp, Horvat's already got some points on the board. I think Engvall, Engvall looks great in the second line with Paul Mary, Paul Mary and Nelson. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I'll go with Engvall first, and I like I talked to a lot of people in Ontario and Toronto and media specifically, and their big question is they had so much frustration with him um, being a Toronto Maple Leaf because he flashed and he showed how good he could be, and then he would go quiet. And what I tell them is he's been extremely consistent. I thought his second game as a New York Islander was bad. That was the only bad game Mm -hmm. I've seen Mm -hmm. him play. And outside of that, he's consistently been a really good player, and I think people need to understand that just because you're six foot five and you skate really well doesn't mean you need to be physical. He uses his his legs to check mm-hmm. and his stick to check. And as long as he's doing that, and, and I do believe, like to all those people that have asked me those questions, I think he's been a more consistent player. I don't know whether that's coaching or whether that's growing up or whether that's seeing an opportunity and take advantage of it like he mm-hmm. did. But he's been a consistent guy, uh, a consistent player, and and his speed changes this roster because it's not an overly fast team, right. but he can go from a standstill to get moving and just use his feet to get out of trouble rather than maybe throwing a, a puck away like other guys have to do, like I would have had to have, who have done myself as, you know, I'm a defenseman obviously, but that it, it's a big deal. So I think Engvall, he's been consistent and he's been a factor with his speed on the forecheck. He's been really good uh, just to... In, playoffs was probably his best hockey last year like looks like he's continuing on that trend and that's good to see for someone that I'm not not suggesting anyone would just play for a contract but we've seen enough of it, of it now to know that that's Pierre Engvall that's maybe not just a good flash of Pierre Engvall with Bo Horvat um, he's been very very good and I think at the start of this season when, when I saw it coming over last year I was really excited about it and there was so much responsibility put on him right away. He was killing so much um, with Barzi going down. The team just didn't have the depth, and it, it was like you needed to find him two players to play with. And I think the conversation this year was like, who's that other guy going to be with him and with him and Matt? Um, he drives play. If you watch him up and down the ice, he works extremely hard for the chances he gets. Like, yes, he's a good skater to begin with, but... He's working his engine to get up to full speed, and a lot of that is coming back from his own end. He puts in the work, and I like to see when he gets rewarded because I think he plays better defensive hockey when things are going well for him offensively like they have been this year. Um, a lot of good details in his game, but he surprised me when he came over last year. He's 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 smarter than, he, than I thought. He's more competitive than I thought, um, and I think we're going to see him get to a higher level, you know, like, maybe halfway through the year. Like they're still figuring each other out, still figuring out uh, 
who's going to be on that line. Like Andrews has looked really good since he's been there, but Bo's uh, he he's a player, and I think for this group, like to have another guy that's big in the faceoff dot and can win a ton of faceoffs, it's impressive to see the four guys that you can roll out over and over and over again in the faceoff dot and to add right. a guy that can score a lot of goals like Bo. It's, it's he's been good. Yeah, I think both players have uh, have looked excellent so far, and hopefully that continues. And before we jump into Hero of the Week, just want to send a shout-out to our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. So, yeah, a little shout-out to them at Isles Fix and Joe Bono. They do a, a great job over there, so uh, big thanks for those guys uh, kind of teaming up with us and now we can get into the hero of the week folks when you hear this song that means it's time for the hero of the week brought to you by the blue line deli and bagels half price here which this week is of course naturally since we have one sitting with us here the blue liner chicken featuring chicken cutlet bacon melted american russian dressing on a toasted garlic hero stop on in to the blue line deli and bagels huntington location for half off the blue liner so with that Thomas, I think you have a pick yourself. We'll start with you. Who is your hero of the week? Yeah, we're going to go with Semyon Varlamov. All right. Uh, I, Varley, I, I know that he only played one game this week, but he was so good in Buffalo uh, last week when Isles didn't really show up. It was it was mm. a strange game. Varley was great to get a shutout last night. It's, it's not just because Varley was Varley. It's the fact that this bodes so well for the team moving forward because yeah. I, I'm of the belief that Look, the team can run whatever goaltending situation they want. I think for the health of the team overall and for both goaltenders, you want to see Varley play more often. And to be able to throw him in against a divisional team, a Columbus team that, that played well last night by all accounts, and have Varley shut the door, guys believe in him already, but you can perhaps get to a point where he's not going weeks without a start. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can provide you with that much quality uh, and, you know, prep to win games just like Ilya is capable of so for Varley um two phenomenal starts this season he, he deserves it this week he was a hero love the pick Stefan Rosner who was your hero yeah, of the week mine was Noah Dobson and I think you know the first game he played struggled and we you saw last year and that, that gets him a little bit in terms of confidence but he just snapped the five game point streak last night he had two goals and five assists over that span just the confidence. Like I said, I feel like his five-on-five five play is seeping into the power play. And with Mayfield out, he's playing on the penalty kill. I think this past right. week against Ottawa, 27-42 minutes, that was a career high. Clearly, he's got more trust now. For Lane, I just think he's doing everything right. Quick puck movement, I think. He just looks he looks sharper. And when he's able to do stuff in the D zone, it's impacting him in the offense zone and the rest of the team. So he's been a huge bright spot. Yeah, that's been a big question we've been asking on this show. Can Noah Dobson step it up on the D side of things? And so far, he's looking pretty good. So that's a great sign for the Islanders. And I'm going to give my hero now. That is Kyle Palmieri. Had a point every game this past week. Two goals and an assist. He had the game winner versus Columbus. Obviously, that first goal. And uh, he's been a point-per-game player so far this season. And it's nice to see him straight out of the gate because I feel like the first couple seasons he played on this team, he was a little slow. He took a little bit of time. I remember one year, I think it took him quite a while to get his first goal. And it's nice to see him right off the bat putting points points on the board he looks good and uh, hopefully he can stay healthy what, what do you think it's Kyle, Kyle Palmieri Thomas yeah I agree with you Palms I, I think it was two years ago it took a while like yep. a couple little injuries and mm-hmm. there was a bunch of guys like I think JG that year there was there was a handful of guys that it felt like it was two months into the season and the questions were like oh, this guy's not scored yet or this guy's only got one through 
25 or 30. And I think for guys, it's nice not having to even think about that. And yeah. for Palms missing all training camp to be producing like yes. this, like that line, I, I'm just, you know, there's never any doubt that that line's going to be together. And I think as a fan uh, in my position as an analyst, it's nice to have that set in stone and, and things of course can always change, but that's been a boost. And to your point with Noah, um, you know, I agree. And it is, it is confidence. And that's what I see. Cause he's capable. Like he was drafted in the spot he was for a good reason. And um, look, I was never as good as Noah was or, or as gifted, but coming out of junior, like I always found that if I could bring it offensively, uh, my defensive game would follow and things get simpler and instinct comes and, you just you feel so much better and you defend better you you're a little bit more in it because you know that you you've already made up for it on the offensive side and maybe you have a little bit to play with and i think you can see that in noah with how confident he is offensively when he comes back and he starts defending you're just a little freer and a little less worried about making mistakes and i, I think you see it in his game even though he put up 50 points the last couple of years, it's a different feeling right now with what he's doing with the puck, and I think it shows in his own end as well. And I think last year, too, with him playing with Ajo, I mean, that's a bottom pairing minutes, and now that he's playing better defensively, that gives Lane the ability to run him like a top pairing or with Pelic, wherever you want to do the minutes, and that's huge because the more he's playing, the more offense he's going to provide, and that's critical for this team. Yeah, yeah, the way he's the way he's been getting up the ice, and look, it's, it's responsibility. You're, you're going to get into situations probably maybe more so at home if, if that's the matchup they want to get you you never stop learning as a defenseman and there will be mistakes and there'll be moments like every guy deals with them but when you're playing with Pelly, you're getting the best players in the world and of course there's going to be mistakes but I, I the big thing with Noah this year there's been times when you make a mistake but he he follows right back up like last game home game um a guy got behind him they almost scored you had a critical time it didn't stop. He got right up the ice and he went and scored the go-ahead goal, like the eventual game winner. That's what I've loved to see him this year. Like you have, you have a short memory. You need to, because you're going to be right back out on the ice. All right, folks. So there are your heroes of the week. And now I think we're going to get into questions brewing before we wrap things up. Ed, cue the button. It's time for questions brewing. So go ahead. It's really That's time for questions question. brewing. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so Ed, Jay, how we doing back there, fellas? What's going on? How's the chat looking? Doing good. We got a lot of questions for uh, Thomas, obviously. We will squeeze <laughs> in uh, what we can before yes, we wrap the show up. So, so Ed, give us some good yeah. ones here. Uh, we're starting off with this uh, from CGS878. He asked, would Mr. Hickey ever consider a coaching position? Uh, good question. Um, I, would, I would never say never to anything, but the one thing that I know and understand is how much work it requires to be a coach in the NHL and far more work than it, it's, it's like as much work as you're doing with as being a player, but, but, but probably more cause you're at the rink more often. And with all the resources you have now, you can work from anywhere. And it's often the people that put in the work that have the success and every coaching staff that I've had in the NHL respect it so much because these guys put in that work coming out of playing. Mm. Um, I, I do consider myself to work very hard now, but it's a workload that I know what it's going to be. And to coach, I wouldn't be committed to that right now. No, that's that's more than I'd want to take on. And I got so much respect for the guys that do it. 
An honest answer, Ed. What else you got? Uh, next from Coach Jeff Twenty Four on Twitter asks: uh, The Islanders' D seem to give up a lot of high danger chances and odd man rushes. Is there a significant change in the coaching style with Lane? Would uh, would also be interested to know if he thinks splitting Pollock and Pellick is necessary and the impact on their play. So that rush question that that's something that's stood out so far. And now that we have more advanced analytics and you can diagnose what type of play or what type of rush something is. That's something that stood out. And like I said, sample size is important to me in seven mm-hmm. games. Isn't great, but you know, the numbers off the rush don't look good now and they didn't after two games or three games. So it's something to keep an eye on. I don't think that anything's changed. Um, I remember at the start of last year, the Islanders got playing a little bit fast and loose yep. and got bailed out a lot by their goaltenders. And yeah. then as the season went on, they sort of learned that, can we get away with it for stretches? Yeah, but can it bury us for stretches? It can. I'm interested to see what those numbers look like around the 10 and 15 game mark because it is too much off the rush. And I don't think that it's a coaching decision to say, we're going to play with fire and see what this see how this happens. It's often mistakes that are made that lead to those. So I'm sure that it's being addressed and trying to be corrected because... Um, it's notable, noticeable to me, and I, mm. I think for the coaches, they see that as well. You want to limit rush chances as much as possible. So that's that's been notable, and I think you're going to see those numbers go down. Uh, as far as Pelican Pulak, yeah, I I think it's I think it's an asset to be able to break up those guys and not have to play them together. Mm. Um, like I mentioned, if you want Noah to take the next step, he he's got to play more impactful, meaningful minutes in. I think when when he has, you've seen the growth that's come from what he's been able to do. Um, And that means Adam Pellick doesn't get to play with Ryan Pulak, but Romanov plays his best hockey I've seen him play in his career when he's with Ryan Pulak. And Pulley does so many good things. He often, we don't talk about him or notice him. It's because he's rarely making mistakes now and really turning into a guy that, yes, we know that what he can flash offensively and how good he shoots the puck, but... Um, I don't want to say he's going to another phase of his career, but uh, I don't want to say he's redefining himself, but he's becoming a very efficient defenseman with less flash. And I think it's for the better for him and, and for this team. So splitting those guys up, maybe you're going to see him back together for yeah, 20 sure. or 30 games at a time. Will, yeah. Probably will at some point. Yeah. Um, maybe if it's just for a few games at a time, but it doesn't matter. It's it's sort of how the team's playing, and if it's those guys are together and the team plays good, great. And if the team suffers because it stretches your depth and split them up, you know, sure. it doesn't doesn't really matter to me. There you go, Ed. What else you got? Thomas Panic says you left everything out there on the ice, which uh, which I think must have taken a physical toll. My question is, how are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. Uh, you know, I I feel good in the sense that I don't wake up. Uh, hurting or sore Mm. um definitely took a physical toll you know i'm not not a big guy and there's days you get out of bed and wonder why does this hurt or that hurt whether it was a puck that hit you like 12 years ago (laughs) or or something here or there thankfully um i i feel good and uh i was always it was my head was the big thing you Mm -hmm. never wanted to get that last concussion and sure i had some bad ones but i'm thankful that uh, never got to that point. And um, being sore in the morning is a reminder that 
got to do what I, I love doing for a long time. Great question. Great answer. Ed, what do you got? And Zeb Onan asks, has there been a difference from, oh, you know what? We're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to do, we're gonna do yeah, because he has two. I've, I've read the one that wasn't for Thomas. This one's for Thomas. <laughs> Fair enough. Thomas, is there any alumni that have helped you uh, either on the ice or off the ice that really made a big impact on you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys. Uh, one that comes to mind, Andrew McDonald, former Islander. And uh, I remember I was, I'd got, when I first got sent down to the minors, and he had been through that. And it was a shocker and sort of a, a stun to the system for me. And not only did he go down and play in the minors for an extended period of time, but then he got back up to the NHL and was really good. And AMAC, broke it down like there was a lot of a lot of days where I was driving to to Bridgeport from Long Island because I, I lived here the entire time and you need to rely on those guys that have been through there and AMAC um, he'd been through that so he's an alumni that um, that I reached out to but the the, the bigger sense of it is, is seeing the the guys that won all the cups around they're still around and and to know what what winning does around here so whenever I get an opportunity to you know rub shoulders with with Brian Trache or, or Bobby Nystrom or see those guys or learn from them. And, um, you know, sadly we've lost a few of those guys lately, yeah. he, like Clark Gillies. I, I got to meet him a few times and play golf with him. And that's an impact that, that gets left on you. You can see why he's so loved and, and so missed. So, uh, if it wasn't guys like AMAC, it's the guys that, that paved the way for everyone else. And you see how much people love them and respect them here. For sure, for sure. Well, folks in the chat and anybody on Twitter, sorry if we couldn't get to your questions, but we had such a great conversation here with Thomas that uh, we're already up against the hour, so we got to wrap it up here, folks. So uh, cue the music, Edzo. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York here at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and, of course, your favorite podcast providers. I want to extend a huge, huge thanks to our special guest here, Thomas Hickey, MSG studio analyst, and of course, former New York Islander. Big thanks to Thomas. And of course, a big thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Also, big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out to how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And a huge thanks to Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. Nobody likes going to court, but if you have to, Razor and Kniff are ready to fight for you. Call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation and of course a big thanks to Floored Media here in Rockville Center helping this operation keep going week by week here at Hockey Night in New York and folks if you don't already rate, review and subscribe to the show. Catch us on YouTube Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Rate, review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how terrible we're doing. And uh, I know, folks, we talked about doing a uh, fan video this week, but with our special guests here, we're going to push that back another week. So send in your video submissions. The one that we pick will show next week, and you will get a free sent T-shirt sent to you. So with that, for Stefan Rosner, for Thomas Hickey, I'm Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. Have a great rest of your Sunday night. <laughs>